Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Pastor Clark Covington here with another episode of KJV Cafe. Man, I can't believe it. We are on Genesis chapter three. We're going to make it all the way, Lord willing, to verse 13 today. So we are moving right along in Genesis three. There's only 24 verses. So we're uh, we're about halfway through here of Genesis three. We're Again, I mean, moving right along. Um and also, too, I think hitting most, uh, some of the salient points. I mean, you never can exhaust God's word in any chapter, really any verse of the Bible. You could spend a lifetime studying, and there's things I believe God would reveal uh, from them. Um, and there's just so many ways that Scripture lines up with Scripture, which is what we try to do on the program, is not give someone's opinion uh, or what's popular or anything else or trendy, uh, but simply dive into what the Scripture says and then what the other scriptures say regarding that in the context that is proper. So taking things in context, using the good old King James, comparing scripture with scripture. So what we're trying to do here today, but you know that I mean, I'm guessing you listen regularly and I thank you for that. And thank you so much for your support it means the world to me. I believe this is the ministry God called me to the most. I don't know how to say it, the prominent, you know, this is what I believe God called me to do. So I thank you so much for listening. Here we are. Genesis 9 and 10, you know, it's okay. So Genesis 6, 3, 6 is when they fall into sin. The woman saw the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. Verse nine. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. And we talked about last episode. That this is a natural reaction to sin to go hide. And that God is dealing with Adam first because he's the head of the house. And that God consequences are not, uh, we can't manip manipulate, we can't change them so that we are forced to deal with God directly. And he asked this question, you know, uh, where are you? Right. He says, well, I was, I was doing this, this, and this. And here we get to our text verse here, and I'm going to read it. We'll take a break and then we're going to study it some here. Genesis 3, 11 through 13, Genesis 3, 11 through 13. And he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. <laughs> so we're seeing the blame game and we're going to get to uh, all about that blame game just as soon as we get back from this break. Stay tuned. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. 
Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. All right. So you're seeing the blame game firsthand. Uh, She did it. Oh, the devil did it. So let's start with this. God asked the question, why? To help us understand our transgressions, he asked the question, why? Does God not know anything? No, God knows everything. Okay. He is all knowing, right? Um, I think it's omniscient, right? And that literally means knowing everything. All right. So God's omniscient. He knows everything. Okay. So if he knows everything, why is he asking questions? All right. And I'm not so familiar with the Socratic method, but I know enough to know that sometimes people ask questions when they already know the answer, right? Uh, I can think of a time one of our kids was up late and I just asked the question, oh, uh, I saw your light was on. Were you up late last night? Now I knew they were up. I could hear them, but I asked the question, right? God is asking the question in the same context as, as the heavenly father, as creator God, he's asking his creation, hmm, what are you doing, right? You know, who told you you were naked? Like, how do you know that? Did you eat of this tree that I told you not to eat? (laughs) You know, he's asking the question to help hammer home the point that sin has occurred, right? And so God helps us to understand sin in our lives as we read the word and we can ask ourselves the question, are we living as God calls us to live? Because sometimes asking the question can help us to understand or feel less judgmental than just having that heavy hand. How dare you? You should never do this. You know better, right? That, that could have been how God approached it, but he chose a different route. And in context of this, we spoke on the last episode about how God pursues us despite of our own sin. And so we see that here as well, that it's God's love that he didn't just wipe Adam and Eve off the face of the earth, that he didn't just expel them from the garden without talking to them. He pursued them to speak to them and started with this dialogue. Now, instead of here's the correct answer, and I'm just going to go ahead and take a stab at this. The correct answer for Adam and then Eve would have been, yes, Lord, we ate of the fruit and I'm incredibly sorry that I did that. I'm incredibly sorry that I've sinned against you, that I went against your ways. I'm so sorry that you've given me all of this. And instead of enjoying this and enjoying fellowship with you, I sinned. And then I ran off and tried to hide to take things into my own hands when I know that I couldn't. I'm sorry. I think that is called repentance. I think that's what they should have done. But here's what actually happens. Here's what Adam says in verse 12 of Genesis 3. And the man said, the woman who thou gavest to be with me she gave me of the tree and I did eat. He turned the table around a little bit, didn't he? The woman that thou gavest to me. So now it's God's fault that Adam made this decision, right? That's what he wants God to know. How many times do people, as they fall into sin, go and turn around and blame God for the sin that they fell into? Now, the Bible says that God will not tempt and he cannot be tempted. So it's not God's fault, amen? It is man's fault. I'm going to grab that verse because that's, that is, uh, that's important to, to mention here. God cannot sin. And I'm going to see if I can find that there. Uh, let's see here. John, uh, one, three, nine, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin for his sin remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's one of them, but I'm going to see if I can find, uh, oh, the t- temptation. God cannot tempt. That's what it was. And so we'll see if we'll pull this up real quick. Here we go. Uh, James 1.13, 
Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Okay, James 1.13. And James 1 there, that, that section of scripture is where we dealt with what the real temptation is. And that's the lust of the flesh. That is our carnality, our natural state. So again, the serpent asked the question. The serpent did the tempting, but the desire was already in the heart. Adam and Eve were already looking upon that tree saying, we want that fruit. Already wondering what it'd be like to eat that one fruit they weren't supposed to eat. You see? So the temptation occurred, but and God allowed it, but it was in their heart. And so instead of giving that proper repentant answer, Adam says, no, it's that woman you gave me, right? He's trying to blame it on God. Well, that's not the proper answer. And then we see Eve do something equally ridiculous in Genesis 3, verse 13. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? Okay, God knowing everything just lets this thing play out. And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. So Adam blames the woman. The woman blames the devil. Nobody wants to take accountability. Guess what? That's not going to float with God, okay? God is a just God and he's a righteous God, all right? And look at Isaiah 59, 1 through 4. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity or sin. Now, Isaiah 59, 1 through 4 is a profile of not just the Israelites, but natural man living against God's ways. God, his arm's not shortened, his ear's not heavy. I love that. Like God can hear you and God can move on your behalf, but you are speaking perverseness. You are speaking lies. You are trying to manipulate a holy God and he will not have that. So what do we have here? Willful ignorance. Like you're pretending to God that it's not your fault when you know that it is. It leads us away from God's saving power. Hiding from God simply hurt them more, made them more guilty. And we see this in the blame game. It was the woman. It was the serpent. You know, I want you to think about this for a second as we wrap up. Who ultimately paid the price for their sin? Was it them? It was at first. I mean, they, they paid a price. Death entered the picture. They wouldn't have died otherwise. So death enters the picture. They're expelled from the garden. Work becomes really hard, okay? It becomes real hard to grow something in the ground, which was work at that time and food and everything else. And pregnancy becomes very, very challenging. All these things presumably were perfect before, okay? So all of those things come and they pay a price, a heavy price. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the ultimate price was paid by God himself through Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. He paid the price. And so when he goes into the garden and says, what are you guys doing? It's incredible that he doesn't just wipe him out because he'll send his beloved Jesus Christ, God incarnate, God in the flesh, to die on the cross at Calvary for their sins and for the sins of all that have followed. Because all have mankind, save Christ himself, have fallen into sin and need a savior who is Jesus, our Messiah, who is Jesus, our Savior, who actually goes and pays the price that is rightfully due to man and dies on the cross for them at Calvary. That's called unmerited favor. That's called grace. That's called salvation. And that comes from God alone. 
That comes from God alone, and we see a perfect picture of it here in the Garden of Eden. Here in Genesis 3, we see a perfect picture of it as man tries to blame the woman, as woman tries to blame the devil, and as God ultimately pays the price, as God ultimately pays the price. The least we can do is fess up to who we really are to God himself. That's the least we can do is say, God, you know what? You're right. I'm a sinner. The last episode, I talked about Paul saying he's the chief of the sinners to Timothy, who he had every reason to maybe not reveal that to. I've talked about many times my own sin. And people, some people may listen to that and say, wow, this guy was a real troublemaker. I don't know if I can listen to that. Oh, this guy didn't grow up in church in a Christian household. I, I don't know. He's one of them. Yeah, I, I don't know. Hey, I was willing to do it because it's the truth. And that idea you know, that we all fall short, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. That idea, how many people fall into that trap? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many people fall into the trap of saying Romans 3.23 is for others, not me, for everyone else but me? How many people have, have gotten to that verse and said, I just can't admit it. I knew a man once, a very nice man, a successful man, etc., that said, I won't go to the altar because I've done nothing wrong. And he was dead serious. He was prideful. And I prayed for him then. I, pr- I pray for him now. Probably need to pray for him more than I, than I do now that I mention that. But we can't be like that man. Jesus gives us an example in scripture of two people that go to the altar. One saying, thank God I'm not like them. And the other one smoting their chest saying, I can't even look up. I'm a sinner. And the one that said that was justified. So we see it in the Bible. We see it here in the garden. We see Adam and Eve, that natural carnal response to hide and then to blame others. And we need to accept that our sin, the wages thereof are death, and that Christ died so that we didn't have to face death in that way. Christ died so that we could be saved. Christ died so we could have uh, life more abundantly as he was risen from the grave. Now he is highly exalted. Amen. He is no longer meek and lowly on earth. He is Christ, our Lord and King. And very soon we're going to see him face to face. Amen. Very soon this whole world will bow a knee. Amen. Very soon all things will be changed from the way they are now. And Jesus Christ will rule and reign for an eternity. And we have an opportunity to be there with him, to be called brothers by him. And all we have to do is simply believe. We simply have to believe. Amen. Today is the day to believe. Today is the day of salvation. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow. Same time, same place.